Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. Today is all about data, and I'm delighted to be joined by Helen Tanner, who's founder and CEO at DataCubed. Hi, Helen. Hi, Simon. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, delighted to be part of this podcast. Good. So we've been working together for a while now, actually, probably for, for 18 months on various bits, and we'll we'll maybe mm. cover that later in the podcast. But for maybe the listeners that don't know about you and the business, can you just give us some kind of career background from what you've done in your career history and how you got to founding DataCubed and the kind of work you do? Yeah, absolutely, Simon. So um, so I started my career, I'm, I'm an oceanography graduate, so I started my career at the Met Office working as a, a coder and programmer um, back back um, way before data was cool. Um, this is kind of 20 plus years ago. And, um, and my first job was working on offshore meteorological buoys that are all around the continental shelf of the UK. So part of my job was going offshore and changing the weather sensors and the wind vanes and those types of things on these floating Boys out out in the North Sea and in the in the Atlantic, and then um, and then analysing that data when I when I was back on on land. Um, so I did that for a while. A crazy first job um, uh, out out for sea out, out at sea for lots of points in time, and then I moved into the commercial part of the Met Office where I was selling and and promoting weather services to um, big retailers because there's a really strong correlation between the weather and um, and sales and all of our purchases in the supermarket. Um, so I start, started in that world, um, uh, very much in kind of in data, as I say, predictive analytics before it was called such a thing, and, um, and working with all that kind of big weather data. Um, then moved to Bristol and um, went into financial services. So I've spent um, about 12, 12 years in financial services, big global corporates, um, kind of work, working in uh, kind of marketing, kind of product salesy type roles, commercial roles, and and I kept coming up with ideas of where you could use data to help a business to make and save more money, or to create um, better services for customers, or or new products for customers, and I did that quite a few times across a number of different business lines, and I thought, hmm, why am I helping these big companies become even bigger? And um, and uh, and even more global. Um, I, my my dad is a small is an SME businessman, um, and I thought I wonder if I could bring all this kind of big business, cutting edge t- data and AI technology, and apply that to SMEs and smaller businesses. Um, so that's when I set up DataCube. So that was four years ago. Now we are a, a data agency. We help businesses with everything to do with data, from getting it all into one place to analysing it, to creating dashboards, to automating, reporting and applying um, artificial intelligence and machine learning and advanced data science too. Um, so, yeah, so we're, and we're, we're based in Bristol. So quite a journey then, quite a varied journey, but all yeah. with a data theme that runs through it. Exactly that. Exactly that. Yeah, I wish I could say it was planned from the start. Um, but uh, But, you know, it's funny how things work out, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think everybody we have on the podcast has, has got a story, and I think I don't think we've spoken to anybody yet who was really clear at the start about what they wanted to do in their career and ended up just doing it and doing that. Everybody's got a, a nice story to tell, and sometimes the uh, the unknown or the unplanned or those chance conversations are the bit that takes you in a, a different direction or helps you follow where you want to get to. So, um, yeah, yeah, interesting journeys. Yeah, absolutely. So, so data is this consistent theme and that's mm. kind of where where we met in terms of the work we do together with you and the team 
around kind of helping us get our data into one place, think about the structure of that data and the integrity of that data. And then we're kind of working on these projects now around how we can make more value of that data for our clients in terms of AI, predictive stuff and all, all the bits you've touched on. But if if we strip it right back to the, the start, data is, as you said, it's now cool. There's data scientists and geeks and all these kind of people that really, really love getting into the detail. And I think some of that's driven off the fact that data is now, you know, it's the current gold, isn't it? It's more valuable than most things in the world, all of a sudden big, big uh, chunks of data. The bit that I find interesting and, and probably I didn't really start to understand until we set up Rethink and got into to deeper data is lots of people have data mm-hmm. not many people have insight and there's that old saying of kind of data rich information poor yeah. in in your world how would you simply explain what the difference is between data and insight yeah it's it's a really good question and a, and a really common one so it's good to explore that um i mean if you look at the kind of definition of data um it, it kind of talks about facts and statistics collected together for reference or analysis Right. So we so we can think of data as um, as the facts. So that might be the number of something or the total figure or the average. You know, it's it's, it's the it's the facts and statistics, the numbers, whereas insight is defined again in, in, a, in one in a, in a kind of tech dictionary as the capacity to gain an, an accurate or deep understanding of something. So we can think of insight as the so what? Um, what does that data actually tell me? Um, so data on its own um, isn't actually valuable to a business, you could argue. It's, it's just facts and statistics, which are interesting. But where data becomes really, really powerful is when it's used to generate new insight. And that new insight can help you to further your understanding, to tell you something new that you, you didn't know before, um, to challenge previously held assumptions or, or, or kind of assumed facts within your organization or to discover new patterns and trends. So what you really want is um, is actionable insight. So building on that, you know, insight that will actually inform your decision-making, enable you to make smarter, quicker, data-driven decisions. So you no longer need to act on um, gut feel or base it on whoever shouts the loudest. Um, so in a nutshell, you can think of data as the, as the fuel and insight as the end goal, the, the, the valuable bit. Yeah, we, we hear lots of people talk around certainly the work we do in terms of the study work. They want it to be scientific. They want it to be fact based. Mm-hmm. So that that insight piece is really turning turning that, as you say, into some credible, forward looking, maybe predictive, maybe actionable piece of uh, insight rather than, as you say, well, we took a thousand pounds in sale yesterday. Well, there's a so what in that, isn't there? Of You can't yeah. influence that now if it was. For the last 10 Thursdays, you took a thousand pounds, but actually we saw there was no transactions go through between 10 and 11. And then you, then you married that up. And this is the, I suppose the point we'll come on to about combining data sets with uh, the weather, with footfall into the store, with maybe colleague rotors. There might be something in there that says, well, the reason you don't take it is because everybody goes on break, which then gives you something actionable to go and change. Is that kind of the, the kind of stuff you'd class as insight? Exactly that, Simon, exactly that. And I think, you know, we've all uh, undoubtedly, you know, seen things, you know, dashboards that you you look at and go, well, that's lovely. And it's pretty graphs, but I've no idea what I'm meant to do with that. Right. Um, You know, that's, 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 that's data. Whereas if you look at something and, and go, 
right now, now I now I can see those patterns and trends of and, and the examples you've just described. I can actually do something about it now. I can, I can pull and push my my business levers to enable us to go faster in some way. So yeah, absolutely. And I think some of that comes back to historically and with no disrespect to them, some of the big management consulting houses would present big, big packs of PowerPoint data, data, and there you go, I said the word, of data mm-hmm. with, with lots of scatter graphs and line charts. And it looked amazing, looked pretty. You read, you know, one to page 150 and think, well, it, it looks nice, it looks pretty, but I come to the end and think, so what? So what? what is it telling me? There's lots of variation. Maybe there's lots of distribution of uh, sales or shape of store, size of store. But so what? And I think that that for me is where some of the more niche consultancies or people that are really forward thinking have turned that into. And this is what you should do with that. It's exactly that. And we always start before we even touch the data. We, we, we're talking to the, the business um the business people and and going what are your requirements what what are you what are you trying to achieve you know what what are you, what are your business goals and then underneath that what what business levers can you pull to help you achieve those business business um business goals because there's only there's only so many decisions we can all make in our in our jobs there's only so many things we can start stop and change in our jobs and once you focus it down to that you, you can then serve people that the, the insight derived from the data that's actually going to help them to make those decisions rather than just chucking everything at them and hoping some of it sticks. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. So one, one of the conversations we're having at the moment between the two companies, so our company and your company, are kind of the benefits, and we touched on it previously, of combining different data sets. So we, we as you know, go out and we'll, measure how long tasks take or percentage of times but now that thought shifting to so we can produce some really nice insight from that and some actionable stuff but what are we missing so if we had customer experience data maybe sales data maybe the weather's important um, maybe del- number of delivered items or delivery days is important maybe till transaction data is important so what what do you see in terms of those benefits of combining different data sets to create wider insight? Yeah, and, and uh, it starts with the fact that when you look at one data set, you're only looking at one part of the puzzle. And, you know, if you think about it, you're, you know, if you look, if you just look at your point of sales data, this tells you what's been sold, but not not why. Um, if you look at your staff rotate, rotor data, it tells you who's on duty if you look at your loyalty card data, if you had to have some kind of scheme like that, it will tell you what your customers are buying and what rewards they've got. Um, as you say, weather data, you know, and obviously with my background, uh, you know, always thinking about the weather, you know, it will tell you whether it's raining or not, um, but it won't tell you whether the store is quieter or busier than normal because of that. And then you've got your studies that you do, rethink studies, which tell you who is doing what and how long it takes and those types of things and so on and so on. Businesses will have tons of data sets, um, and even more when you when when businesses have multiple branches or multiple outlets or or multiple sales channels as well. So if you just looked at one data set, you'd only see one part of the puzzle, and and that can be really valuable. But the point is, you, it can be mo- even more valuable if you look at multiple data sets. So you could be missing out on patterns and trends and actionable insight by looking across, if, if you're not looking across multiple data sets. 
Um, so for instance, if you connected point of sale data with staff rater data, with your loyalty scheme data, with weather data, and with, you know, re- let's say rethink have done an activity study for, for an organization. And if you look at that across all of their branches and outlets, you'd then be able to know not just who is buying what, but also how it varies by the seniority of staff on duty or the amount of training the staff have had who are on duty and the types of customer segments and their and the and the fact that they they probably vary at different times of the day and and looking at the, how how those different segments buy different things you then be able to know whether there is a weather impact or not or on on your business and you'd be able to look at how all of this kind of affects your efficiency and productivity levels and you can do that not just based on who is buying, what they're buying, but also you could look at service quality and customer complaints. And how does that vary by the seniority of staff on duty, the type of customer segments you're serving at different times a day, the weather, etc., and so on and so on. By combining all different data sets together, you're far more likely to discover brand new insights and trends than if you just looked at one, because you'd be able to look at how they all interact and how they all compare because our businesses aren't, aren't one-dimensional, they're massively multi-dimensional, and therefore when we analyse our business, to look at one, one data set is, is one-dimensional, whereas looking at multiple di- data sets will enable you to analyse your business in a multi-dimensional way. So you're far more likely to learn something new in if you combine your data sets together. And I, I assume then that, let's take retail as an example, that insight that you get from combining that data would drive potentially sales profit uh, productivity savings customer experience um, improvement so that there's different metrics that then um, you'll see the benefit come through hopefully because it's insight not data it's exactly that so you know ultimately um, you know most businesses are focused on how can they serve their customers profitably and you know improve that customer service um, in in the most profitable way they can. So um, so yeah, that's absolutely key. So if we've got people listening, and I'll cast my mind back to when we start first started working together, because this is exactly the space we were in, that have got lots of historic data, maybe in different places, maybe in different formats, um, maybe that they're not even sure where it is. Where do you suggest they kind of start in terms of getting that with a future vision of all being in one place and harmonizing it? What's the the typical journey that people go on? Yeah, and it's um it, it is the hard part, and it's not easy, unfortunately. I wish that I could say there was a there was a magic wand you could wave. Um, and at first you might think, oh, how how hard can it be, right? Um, but if you think about it, there are a number of challenges that you will probably come across. So data sets will be in different locations and different formats. So if you think about um, a business, they'll, they'll probably have some things. Um, there's some data stored in Excel spreadsheets. There's a lot of that still happening. In third-party tools you might be using across the business, you might have different databases. So you'll probably have data sets stored all over the place in different formats. So therefore, that data needs to be matched somehow together so that you can analyze it. Now, you... The simplest way you could do that is based on, say, date and time. It's probably the easiest method. But often, you know, you might have different formats of date and time. So in in all of these data sources, so you might need to do some kind of um, manipulation. 
And then customer data, you know, ideally you you, you want to make sure that you're when you're looking at Helen Tanner, that's the same H Tanner as is as 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 they are in this database, or you know, um, just you know, Miss Tanner in another one. So you want to be able to match them together somehow. So you, so ideally, you'd have some kind of unique identifier for your customers. That could be a customer reference number or an email address or a telephone number. Um, and and the last kind of challenge is that data sets can very quickly become very large way beyond the capability of a spreadsheet and particularly you know if you're talking about retailers you know you you get you've got high volumes of business and transactions every second potentially so it can be really tricky so to work out well, where, where do you start right but I want to give want to give the listeners some practical tips of, of where you can start so here are the things um, I'd be thinking about so firstly I mentioned it earlier but the most important thing is to start with your business requirements you know, what are the questions you want to know the answers to? And what actions will you take once you know the answers to those questions? So being really purposeful about your data study and and, and really focusing on that. Second, second kind of step would be to make a data map. So list the data sources that you know will, will have the data to answer your specific business questions. You know, what, what, what data sources are they? What format are they in? What fields, you know, data fields might you need in each data set to answer your, answer your specific business question? Thirdly, you need to think about how data will be matched and compared. For instance, are, are you going to look at it by date and time and get that all matched up? Fourthly, you need to identify what is your unique identifier, if, if, if you can or if you're able to match customer data together. Do you have a customer reference number? Or do you need to create one? Or are you going to use something like email address or telephone number? Then, then fifth stage, and you know, I, I appreciate you've got people on the call who are pro- probably not that technical. You then need to design your technology solution, which may mean there might be some people on the on the te- on the on the podcast who can um, who can do that, or you may have to brief your technology team or a data agency to do that for you. And that means telling them all of the things I've gone through so far and explaining why you want to do that. And then you build it, and and again, this might not be the listeners. It it might be, um, it might be your technology team or agency. But there are often kind of four layers that you need to consider. About, consider one is your raw data at the bottom, all of your different data sets. Two is then being able to extract data from those data sets using um, a process called ETL, which is extract, transfer, load. Then you need to put that extracted data into some kind of data database or data warehouse. And then you can, over the top of that, you can use a business intelligence tool or a data visualization tool to visualize the data in graphs and enable business users to slice and dice the data without having to do any kind of coding or get into the, the technology. So that would be the process that, I, that I'd be recommending. And how long this can take will vary massively depending on the number and complexity of each data source. Um, but as a guide, you know, these types of things can take, say, four to 12 weeks, sometimes much longer if you're doing something much more compl- complex, though. But hopefully that gives you a guide of where to get started. No, no, that's really useful. And and some of that kind of rings true in terms of the way we work together in our initial getting all the data consistent formatted into the data warehouse and then able to to visualize a lot more effectively. So no, that, that's really good and hopefully helpful for, for people listening. Kind of final question before we close then. So what are the 
most common problems that you see your clients face? What are kind of the top three things if a new client comes to you that are, are typically the, the challenges or problems they have? Well, every single business I, I talk to, and, I, and I've I've talked to tons of businesses in the in the last four years running Data Cubed, but every single one has disconnected data. And, and the root cause is that every single business uses multiple tools, platforms, and technology to run their business, e- even small businesses. Um, so beyond the data sets we've talked about today, think, uh, you know, every business will have some kind of website and, and they'll be analyzing that data with something like Google Analytics. They'll have some kind of email tool or CRM. They'll have some kind of financial tool, whether it's QuickBooks, Zero Sage, or similar. Um, they'll have social media and so on and so on. You know, they'll have tons and tons of tools that they're using. So the most common problem is that businesses have disconnected data, which means they don't have a single source of truth, which means they don't have a single view of customer. And that therefore makes it really difficult for them to make um, both strategic level decisions on, you know, where should we focus? How should we take our business forward? And very tactical ones on, how can we better serve our customers or better deliver for them? So what what we do is help businesses to break down those that those kind of data silos and transform their disconnected data into a single source of truth and therefore enable them to make smarter, quicker decisions using insight, going back to your first question, from, from that single source of truth. And it, one thing we've not touched on actually, which that made me think about was, is there a concern across customers about security in, information or data leaks? We all see in the press, you know, some of these big companies, laptop gets left on a tube train or so-and-so gets hacked and customer information is taken. Is that, is that at the top of the, or one of the top things in their priority list of solving or being comfortable about? Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. And I think, you know, some, sometimes we, get to a point where we're working with businesses where there's almost almost like um, I've, uh, some of my clients have called it like a data confessional uh, where they kind of go, look, you know, we, 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 we've done what, what we think is right on GDPR and cybersecurity and, and governance and all of those good things. You know, we, we, we think we've done the right things, but when we're not hundred percent, you know, and, you know, we're, we're feeling a little bit queasy about it and, and having, having some help to kind of double check those things and make sure that, think you know you're not at risk of being hacked or um, losing data or it not being backed up and all those things we often find that that is a bit of a source of sleepless nights for for lots of people and 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 rightly so it's a it's a really um it's a really it would be a massive risk wouldn't it or a massive impact for a business so yeah that 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 comes up a lot concern about are we compliant are we secure are we backed up yeah, potentially quite brand damaging, isn't it? If as, yeah. a, as a customer you've um, managed to to leak or somebody's managed to get my personal information, it makes you then start to just think a bit more about your loyalty or advocacy to that brand. If they if they can't look after your information, actually, what other things aren't they looking after? Especially in a, a climate where environment sustainability, all that kind of stuff's becoming more and more important. Um, yeah, it just makes you think about the wider things that they they promise or or don't promise. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the the other common challenge, you know, um, kind of almost as a subset of what I was talking about, is we we often find businesses that their first thing they want to do is combine their customer data with their financial data. 
So, um, and, and the reason being that if you just look at your customer data, you know, you know who your customers are. Um, and if you just look at your finance data, you know, your sales cost and profit. But by combining things, combining them together, you can understand things like who are your most profitable customers? What's the lifetime value of a customer? How much does it cost to acquire a customer? And, and does that cost to acquire a customer actually, you know, it, it, hopefully, it, does it make sense based on your average lifetime value of a customer and those types of things? So that's often a, a first phase of a project that we do for clients is this combining customer data with finance data. And, and just doing that, if you just did that in your organization, you'd be able to make far smarter decisions around your products and services and focus on the ones that better serve your most profitable customers, target your marketing and communications and promotions at your most profitable customers, you know, give, give special offers and discounts to your most profitable profitable customers and, and so on. And, and through that process, you know, that process alone, we've seen businesses who have been able to increase their profit by more than 10% and, and or have, have seen return on investments of more than five times the investment into data. So that's probably something I'd say if you, if you just did one project, um, that's often a really common one to start with. Amazing. Amazing. So yeah, re- really good tips there. And um, if people want to get in touch with you, Helen, where's the best place for them to do that? So on LinkedIn. So if you search under Helen Tanner Data Cubed, or I'm sure there'll, there'll be a links on social media um find me there or our website is is data hyphen cubed q c u b e d dot co dot uk and we, we can't let you leave without talking about the book so you've <laughs> written a book which is the data escalator is that right yeah that's right so i i finally got around to it in lockdown last year so um the data escalator is designed for business leaders not not technology leaders um, and it's all about kind of helping businesses to make more money for their business using data they've already got. So I've broken it down into eight eight steps that take you from, you know, the start of working out what you're going to do all the way through to delivery. Um, so, uh, so yeah, thank, thank you for mentioning it, Simon. Um, and uh, I have a copy as well and I've, I've read it. So we'll put the link for Amazon. That would be great. Thanks, Simon. No problem. And a final question then. I did say it was final question a while ago, but this is the final question. What's the best bit of business advice you've been given? Oh, that's a really good question. Probably I'd say keep keep the faith. Um, you know, I think running running a, a business, you know, particularly a business I set up from scratch, um, you know, it's, it can be a roller coaster and so many ups and downs and obviously things like covid coming coming from left field as well uh, is you know keep, keep keep the faith keep keep focused on your your vision to to um help customers and and why why you set up the business so for me that's helping business helping small businesses to make make and save more money using data so yeah keep keep the faith that's probably the best advice i've had no, I like that one. We've had plenty of good runs. That's another good one to add to the list. Great. So listen, it's been a bit of a pleasure to catch you up. I really appreciate your time coming on. Look after yourself and we'll speak soon. Great. Thank, thank you, Simon.